The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Michael Horton. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Psalm 68 really brings... uh Uh, home to us, this march across the desert and the battle uh, to cleanse God's land so that he may dwell there with his people. Let me uh, read Psalm 68. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God praises. Sing to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain, before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. The kings of the armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil, though you men lie among the sheepfolds. The wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalman. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred, O peaked, many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode? Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. The chariots of God are twice 10,000 and thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Thus far, the reading of uh, Psalm 68. Well, of course, God called... uh, Abram out of Ur and gave him a promise, a promise of a seed in whom all the nations would be blessed, but also the promise of an earthly land that would uh, be typological of that greater and higher promise. And so uh, he delivered his people, as he had promised, from Egypt and brought them to Sinai, where he entered into a covenant with them. They swore before him, all this we will do. But Sinai itself is only a way station on the way to Mount Zion. And there's a desert in the middle. The desert, the Tohu Wabohu, the howling wilderness, the wasteland, that nevertheless becomes a canopy of fruitfulness for the people of God whenever the Holy Spirit with bright wings hovers over the people in the glory cloud. And so we read about uh, this care of God for his people contrasted 
with the destruction of Israel's and God's enemies. These opening verses disclose, as Jewish scholar John Levinson puts it, Yahweh's home in no man's land. While at Sinai they heard God's commands, now they behold his promises. God has fulfilled his promises. We're standing up on a, on a rock, uh, a high hill, looking down. You would be absolutely amazed at the tens of thousands marching behind Yahweh as the great king, entering into his land, which has been polluted and corrupted by idolatry, immorality, and violence. As we have heard, the psalmist says in Psalm 48, 8, as we have heard, so now we have seen. A wonderful, what a wonderful transition. We've heard the promises, but now we see, we behold this army marching. What an impressive sight it must have been to behold, echoing the division of the creature kings under the ultimate command of God in Genesis 1. Your procession is seen, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. Singers in front, musicians last, between them virgins playing tambourines. Blessed be God in the congregation, the Lord, O you who are of Israel's fountain. There's Benjamin, the least of them, in the lead. The princes of Judah in their throng, the princes of Zebulun, the princes of Naphtali, and so forth. As great as Sinai is, along this march, again, it's only a way station. It's midway between Egypt and Canaan. And the focus shifts from Sinai to Zion in the Psalter. For example, in Psalm 97, Particularly, God is no longer designated the God of Sinai, but the one who dwells on Zion. And John Levinson explains this. He says the transfer of the motif from Sinai to Zion was complete and irreversible so that Yahweh came to be designated no longer as the one of Sinai, but he who dwells on Mount Zion. The transfer of the divine home from Sinai to Zion meant that God was no longer seen as dwelling in an extraterritorial no-man's land, but within the very borders of the Israelite community. I will dwell with you. Isn't that the whole point of God's promise? I will be your God, and you will be my people. And Levinson continues, And in the Zion traditions, there will emerge something almost unthinkable in the Sinai traditions. Namely, an unconditional divine oath that somehow, above the vicissitudes of human disobedience, God himself will arise and scatter his enemies and save his people. So Zion takes on a cosmic, universal role that Sinai never did. Not only Jerusalem and the land of Israel, but even the people of Israel can be designated as Zion. And that's the march. And we know a lot about the march. We know about the victory. Secondly, the victory uh, uh, that we see here in Psalm 68, it really encompasses a lot of history, including the whole book of Joshua. One of the things I, I love about the book of Joshua, if you read Psalm 68, you see lots of Joshua there, is how often it says, and, uh, you know, God did this while people were sleeping. When you get to chapter 5, there's, there's Joshua himself 
kind of uh, maybe uh, out looking for a hamburger. And there is, there is somebody who shows up and says, I, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't have to say anything. He's just sort of standing there. And J- Joshua's terrified. He says, uh, you on our side or their side? Neither. I am the commander of the king, uh, I am the commander of the Lord's army, and now I have come. Take off the sandals from your feet. Hmm. He is the one who spoke from the burning bush. Uh, this is this is the king who conquers. This is not something that the Israelites are doing in honor of their God. And so they have a celebration of their God. But he didn't really do anything. He was just sort of, they did it in his honor. God accomplished the victory for them. While, we're told in the text, the mighty men slept, the women divided the spoils. What a great victory. The Lord gives the word. The kings of the armies flee. The women who announce the news are a great host. The women at home divide the spoils, though you men lie among the sheepfolds. Yahweh himself gains the victory, exactly as the book of Joshua tells us. And then at the end of the book of Joshua, God distributes the spoils and divides the inheritance among the tribes. Finally, the enthronement of the great king. Verses 28 to 35. Summon your power, O God, the power, O God, by which you have worked for us. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings shall bear you gifts. Rebuke the beasts that dwell among the reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of the peoples. Trample underfoot those who lust after tribute. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. Israel's former, they just left Egypt. In in this compressed story here, they have left Egypt. God has brought them through the dead. And already they're being told they're going to have Egyptians joining them for worship. Lifting up their hands. Read that with Isaiah 9. And it's really remarkable. And so now Sinai is said to be in the sanctuary. Sinai is not being carried around. The Lord is not just marching at the head of his people through the desert in no man's land. He has found a home for his people. He doesn't need a home. But he's found a home for his people, a place where he can meet with his people, Mount Zion, an earthly type of the heavenly city of God. And so we read Sinai is in the sanctuary. Isn't that an amazing statement? That's a big mountain. Sinai is in the sanctuary. Yes, in the, in the form, the, the, the microcosm of that Ark of the Covenant, Sinai, the law, the ta- tablets of the law are in the sanctuary. God now gives rest to his people. Rest on all sides. Psalm 68 may have been composed for bringing the initial act of bringing the ark into the temple. Uh, That argument seems very plausible in light of uh, its uh, celebration. And we can only imagine the splendor of that day 
when the ark was brought into the sanctuary. Its installation was nothing less than the enthronement of Yahweh in the midst of Israel. Sinai is in the sanctuary. And yet, Jeremiah tells us, God tells us through Jeremiah and Jeremiah 3.16, in those days, the new days, people will no longer say the Ark of the Covenant. It shall not come to mind. It will not be remembered or missed. It shall not be made again. <laughs> Sorry, all of the, the, uh, the uh, 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 what is it? Raiders of the Lost Ark fans? Um, liberation from Egyptian bondage is just the beginning of the trek that would change the world. The march from Sinai to Zion is really a progress of covenantal redemptive history from conditionality to, and temporality and, and uh, uh, a particular nation to unconditionality and everlasting blessing and universal blessing. In fact, I've got to quote Levinson again. He says, the heavenly Zion, unlike the earthly one, exists by grace alone. From a Jewish scholar. This is why he says, Jeremiah 7 faults those who have taken the cosmos out of the cosmic mountain, turning it into a matter of real estate. They do not long enjoy and awe for the mountain. Why should they? They're standing on it. The edifice on Mount Zion does not correspond to the gate of heaven. It is the gate of heaven for them. In other words, they have lost the sense of the delicacy of relationship between the higher and lower Jerusalem and have assumed that the latter always reflects the former perfectly. Sounds like Galatians 4, doesn't it? From his victory on the mountain of Golgotha to his ascension to the true heavenly Zion and enthronement as the king of kings and lord of lords, Yahweh leads captivity captive. There's so many... Uh, ways we could go here. We could go to Luke 17 and the, uh, uh, or Luke 10 and and uh, the the 70 sent out and they come back. Even the, the demons are subject to them. And he says, "I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning." As the captain of salvation, Jesus marched from Sinai to Zion, leading captivity captive. His whole life of Sinai, leading finally to the cross and entering into the heavenly sanctuary to intercede for us. One last point I'd like to make is uh, Paul uses Psalm 68 uh, in Ephesians 4. He begins with a march. The first four verses are walking together in unity. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say. He's, he's thinking about the whole body in unity, marching across the desert in this, this pilgrimage. And then uh, he turns to victory and enthronement from verses 8 to 10. Christ has entered the sanctuary, not made with hands. 
He has ascended the hill of the Lord and is now enthroned above every name. But he has conquered for us. All that is left is to dispense the spoils of his victory. And so the Holy Spirit is sent to work through the gifts that he gave, which are ministers of the word. He led hosts. Uh, He led a host of prisoners captive. Verse 8. In his descent, he received gifts from the Gentile rulers, just as Psalm 68 says. But now in his ascension, he loads down his liberated captives with treasures they can't even carry. Given that the type has now been fulfilled, the apostles' inspired teaching edits Psalm 68 slightly, but significantly. Psalm 68, verse 29 says, because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings shall bear gifts to you. But in Paul's version, he gave gifts to people. Verses 7, 8, and 11 repeat the reference. Has been given, Christ's giving, he gave gifts, and it was he who gave. Underscoring exactly what happened in the book of Joshua. Exactly what Psalm 68 celebrates, that God did all of the work. And now he gives it to his people. All those gifts are ministers, of, at least in Ephesians 4, are ministers of the word who announce the victory and enthronement of Christ the King for the saving blessing of the nations. That's what you're preparing to do. You're preparing to be one of the gifts that he gave to his church. Like the women in the psalm who pass out the spoils of victory. It's a great job. It's a hard job, but what a great job. What a great calling to divide the spoils of Christ's victory. The march from Sinai to Zion aborted by Adam and Israel is at last completed by Jesus Those who look to Christ, Jews and Gentiles, have arrived. Not at the earthly Zion, much less Sinai, but the heavenly Jerusalem in festive assembly. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have not come to the mountain that is burning with smoke, that's terrifying even to Moses but to a better mountain, a better mediator, a safer place, hidden in Christ and therefore hidden in you, kept and preserved by the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit and even now is pouring out all of these gifts around the world, these gifts, many others besides, but these gifts here of ministers of the word who distribute the spoils of Christ. Christ's victory. We pray, dear Father, that you would help us to do that. Help us always to remember that that's what our calling is. That's what we, our, our vocation is, to distribute the spoils. You have won the victory by your Son. And now ours is to herald that victory to the ends of the earth so that we may join even each Lord's Day, that festive assembly in heaven around the true Zion, with the greater mediator 
in the true temple. Hear us for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2020, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.